for Stoney next week because um, he's got a game plan for Woodland. He's got to make us chili and uh, preach Matthew 19. Hope, hope, right. What is the order? Check, check, check. Hello. Oh, I hope I don't have to hold the microphone. I hate microphones. That's all right. We can get started and we'll see if she can get this working. This is what she went to school for, so we'll see. Um, so for for the last four weeks, uh, counting today, we've been working through the mission of the church, which uh, week one, follow Jesus in worship. Okay, allegiance to him alone, trust in him alone, uh, follow him in discipleship. So I walk the narrow path in obedience and love. You walk the narrow path in obedience and love. And then we all do what Helen prayed this morning and encourage each other along that path in obedience and love. And then evangelism. We bear witness to the gospel in our words, right? Evangelism is words. You have to say it. Uh, and indeed, by, by living um, like it's true. Week two. No, I don't have it at all. Um, week two, we said that this only gets done. Hello. What about this one, Brian? Um, there we go. Um, week two, this only gets done. The mission only gets done by the power of the Spirit. And God only gives the Spirit when we pray. So I encouraged us to pray. Uh, last week, we said this mission's best worked out um, in a home group. And then today we're going to close out, um, this little mini series by looking at what sort of leaders God gives the church to be faithful, um, in their mission. So this is what Ephesians four is about. The risen Lord gave instructions for the mission for worship and discipleship and evangelism. And then when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, uh, so that, um, the, Gave gifts to the church to shepherd them in their calling uh, to walk faithfully in it. So that's the purpose of the gifts, okay, of of all spiritual gifts is so we walk faithfully. So today uh, we're going to work through the different gifts of the spirit uh, in in apostles and prophets and evangelism and and evangelists and shepherds and teachers and then see how they function in the body for our mission, how they urge us to walk worthy of the calling that we have received. Okay, we're going to spend the most time on shepherds because we've got nominations and elections and all that coming up. Hello. Check, check, check. Nothing. Okay. Might be broken. That's all right. Okay. Let me get out of my shirt. Yeah. Hello? It was muted. Now it's not muted. Check, check, check. Oh, you just muted it. All right. Get this out of here. All right. Sweet. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Paul, prisoner in the Lord, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling which you've received. Verse 4, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Verse 7, certain gifts and abilities have been graciously given as apportioned by the Messiah to each one of us. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives captive and he gave gifts to people. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers to equip the saints... For the work of the ministry, to serve the flock, to build up the body of the Messiah until we all attain to the unity that comes from our faith and knowing the Son of God, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's 
fullness. So this is God's word. Let's start with apostles uh, in, in the Tanakh and in the apostolic writing. Ap- apostles are those sent by God to either start a new work or, or strengthen um, an old one. So Moses is an apostle sent by God okay, to start a new thing. Jesus Following Moses, an example, is an apostle, right? He, he starts a new thing. Helen, this always comes to me when I read this, Hebrews, because your version of the Bible says Jesus, our pioneer, right? Our, our, do you remember that? Old building, Wednesday night. Okay, yeah. Jesus is an, a, a pioneer, a, a, an apostle. And then most familiar to us, Jesus chooses 12 to, to do the same thing, to be sent as um, apostles, John 20, as the Father has sent me, apostolo, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Why do they need the Holy Spirit? Because they're being sent out to, to do uh, the ministry uh, of apostles. They're sent by God to start a new work and, and to strengthen um, old ones. So Paul, not part of, of the 12, he functions as an apostle, right? That, that's kind of what he's Famous for Romans 15. He says, I want to lay foundations where there aren't any. Okay, there's nothing happening here. I want to go not build on someone else's foundation. That's fine. I want to lay um, lay foundations where there are none. Um, But he also strengthens old work. So Colossians one and notice Paul's language here in in Colossians. It's aimed at the mission of the church and it's aimed at the, the church walking faithfully and inheriting uh, the kingdom and the resurrection. So he says, we have not stopped praying for you. No, it's a band of apostles. We, we have not stopped praying for y'all and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Verse 10. And we pray this. Why? What's the purpose of Paul's prayer? In order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. We're praying that you may walk faithfully in your calling of worship and discipleship and evangelism unto eternal life and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Right? We have to get the spirit to do the thing um, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. This is the purpose of, of apostles. Okay, so when you think apostle, when, I'm going to deal with this this morning. You think two things: suffering, right? This is the you've seen the marks on my back. Paul says, and this encouraging the church uh, and, and churches, starting new works, strengthening um, old works. So, is there a need for apostolic ministry today? Well, do new works need started? Absolutely. Do old works need strengthened? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like. A person with an apostolic gift started this congregation. Okay? I don't know their name. But you know what I mean? Like, we're not just... We didn't just show up here in 2022. Someone in 1926... Or 1896 said, you know what? We should gather with three or four disciples and read and pray and sing and evangelize. And now in 2022, we're still here because someone was apostolic. Okay? Someone did this thing. So... This is needed, and so therefore we pray, Lord, raise up more Peters, more Pauls, more Jameses, more Barnabases, and more John Wesleys. This is our prayer. Next, prophets. Prophets function uh, much the same. They're given to the church to point them to the day of the Lord and the resurrection first. So 1 Peter 1, awesome passage concerning this salvation. In verse 10, salvation is the inheritance from verse 4 that's undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you to be revealed at, when, when Jesus comes. Concerning this salvation, the prophets 
who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. They searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So this is what the first thing prophets and prophetic gifting is meant to do is to point the church to the age to come in the resurrection. Say, hey. The cross, the the, the grace that would come to you, and the glories that would follow. But second, we need prophetic ministry in the church to strengthen and encourage the church in in our calling into what we're doing. So 1 Corinthians 12, uh, uh, verse 1 or 28, in the church, God appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, jump to 14.1, follow the way of love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Okay? Especially this one. Why? Verse three, because everyone who prophesies speaks to men for what? For their strengthening, for their encouragement, for their comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And that's great. Okay, don't say edify himself. What a selfish turd. No, it's good. Edify yourself. That's good. But he who prophesies edifies the, the, the body. Builds, builds up the church, okay? And so here's like the prof, prof, prophetic ministry, prophecy. It's like a big umbrella. So like a lot of things fit under that category. So it can mean lots of things in, in different places. Um, but here's a cool one. It's just prophecy is just super practical, okay? I know you wouldn't think that like prophets are weirdos out there, spiritual stuff. Like, no, it's super practical. So Acts 11, um, and in Acts 11 we have... Prophetic people, we have elders, we have deacons, we have apostles, we've got the whole whole things here. So Acts 11, um, 27, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, he stood up and predicted by the Spirit, okay, so it's a gift from the Spirit, that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world, okay? So the Spirit gives a prophetic word concerning what? Food, right? <laughs> Everyone needs food, right? Very practical. So what does the church do? Agabus says this, by the Spirit, each of the disciples, according to his ability, okay, based on, we heard a prophetic word, we tested it and said, well, I think he's right, let's do it. They determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, okay, now based on Acts chapter 6, who do you think was in charge of gathering the relief and getting it sent? Probably the deacons, right? Right? Acts chapter 6, we need people to feed, to serve the tables. Let's appoint these guys, men of good repute and full of the spirit. They can do it. Acts chapter 11, we've got to send uh, money throughout their own world. Let's get these guys to do it. I'm reading that into that, but I, I think that's what's going on. Um, so they did this, and then, then they sent it to the elders. So there's the elders, by means of Barnabas and Saul, who are apostles. Everybody working together, doing, doing the thing. So I just say that to say prophetic ministry... Help the church navigate a hard curve coming up. Okay, like there's going to be a famine and we only know this by the spirit. Here it is. Now you can respond to it rightly. Now you can respond um, correctly. And because they listened to the prophetic word, they were able to serve those who were in need. Just helpful and practical. Okay, so is there a need for prophetic ministry today? Would have loved a, a prophet about, you know, February of 2020. To be like, guys, they're going to shut your church down and all that. You know, like, we could have responded a little bit better than we did. Okay? So does, does the church need pointed to the day of the Lord and the resurrection? Absolutely we do. Does, are, are there curves in the road that we would prefer to have divine direction to navigate? Yes, absolutely. So we pray, Lord, raise up more Agabuses. 
Lord, raise up more of Philip's daughters, more William Seymour's, and more Ronald Wolfhouse's. Okay? If you've never been in a meeting with Ronald, Ronald's a prophetic guy. Okay? He just, he just is. Um, this just happened. This just has been coming to me a couple weeks ago. Ronald's first meeting um, that I went to o- over there, um, he, uh, he prayed for me. and said, oh, brother, you're going to be working in websites and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, he totally missed it because I'm computer retarded. Okay, um, and now I I work on a website every day. Okay, <laughs> part of uh, anyway. So so apostles, prophets, next the Spirit empowers evangelism. Evangelists are powered by the Spirit to preach good news. This is what Isaiah says, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news. John the Baptist copies Isaiah. Jesus copies John the Baptist, and we've tried to copy them for the last 2,000-ish years. So Romans 10, you're familiar with it. How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? That's apostolo word again. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Good news. Evangelion, evangelism. How beautiful are the feet of those who evangelize. So Paul, Romans 10. And the whole letter uh, is is quoting Isaiah, right? And you know what Isaiah is proclaiming in the section that Paul's quoting? The good news of the restoration of Jerusalem via the arm of the Lord at the day of the Lord. For Paul, for Isaiah, this is good news and this is what they are proclaiming and this is what people need to hear. It's just the same function, okay? Like when we share the gospel, we're doing what Isaiah did and what John did and what Jesus did and what the disciples did and what what Paul did. Um, Philip, allegedly the same Philip who's uh, appointed as a deacon, but it didn't say that in Acts 6, but I think that's where we get it. Um, He preaches Jesus as the Messiah in Acts 8. And from then on, they call him Philip the evangelist. Okay, he's doing doing the same thing. Second, Timothy four, one and five, Timothy. Is told to do the work of an evangelist, which means to, verse 2 of that section, preach the word because Jesus is going to appear, bring his kingdom, and judge the living and the dead. Right? Same thing Isaiah said. Same thing John said. Same thing Jesus said. So, is there a need for evangelistic ministry today? Well, does the gospel need proclaimed? Absolutely. Does the world and the church need to hear over and over and over and over the message of the cross before the day of the Lord. Absolutely. And so we pray, Lord, raise up more Timothys, more more Marys and Marys and whoever else was at the tomb, more Reinhard Bonkies. Like, raise them up, Lord. Give us the gift of, of evangelism. And, and even if we don't have the gift, help us be faithful in doing it. And I just want to say that with all of these, okay? Like, you might not have, like, an apostolic gift. You can start a new work in your high school or, or your job or, or whatever. You might not have a prophetic gift. But if the Lord messes with you and you need to go say something, go say it, okay? And if you're wrong, we'll just stone you, okay? Okay. We'll deal with that on another Sunday. Um, and, and so finally, and this is what I want to spend uh, the most time on. When Jesus ascended on high, he gave some to be pastors and, and teachers to care for and lead the saints in their calling and into the age to come. Okay? So for this last section, I just want to cover the, the, the different aspects of uh, pastor, teacher, elder, bishop, overseer, whatever. They're, they're all the same thing, I think. Not every... Church tradition thinks that, but that's that's what I think. 
and I'm right. All right. Um, and so these different aspects are teaching, shepherding, leading, and living lives worthy of imitation. Okay, so I want to go through that and then just make some notes of characteristics that we should look for um, considering these men. And first is this, elders teach. Elders teach. Titus 1, verse 6, an elder must be holding to the faithful message as taught. Okay, now, now holding is, is different than simply being able to talk about it. Okay, but the point's the same. Holding to the faithful message as taught so that... He will be able to encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. First Timothy three, an overseer, an elder, a pastor must be able to teach. Okay, so teaching is absolutely necessary for churches to be faithful in their calling, especially as we're sojourning through a present evil age. Okay, if if you're, you know, navigating um, like a river with crocodiles in it, the teacher is going to be able to say step here and then step there and don't step there. Okay, you know, you'll get eaten by an alligator because the word of the Lord says, you know, Moses said, stay away from the alligators. Anyway, that's not a great illustration. Point is, we need we need teaching that sheds light and, and brings hope. Otherwise, we shrivel up and die. Okay, like if we don't have gospel teaching pointing us to the resurrection, warning us away from sin, like our hearts shrivel up. And, and, and die and we don't run the race. So Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. I'll step where an alligator is. No one told me otherwise. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law, which means the, the, the instruction of the Lord. It's been faithfully taught and we can hear it and understand it and, and keep it. And be blessed, right? I mean, simple. So what to look for when considering elders ask basic questions regarding teaching. Okay. Is he currently teaching? Right. If not, probably not an elder. Does this guy know his way around the Bible? If so, might be an elder. Now, it doesn't mean that he needs to be an egghead or an MDiv. Okay. So there's a, um, a church in. Uh, Washington, D.C., which, you know, is like big, smart people and whatever. And their their elder board has, you know, there's 30 of them. They've all got MDivs and PhDs and they work at the Pentagon and all this stuff. Um, but if you listen to them talk about their elder meetings, there's one guy there who didn't graduate high school. And they'll be talking about stuff and discussing stuff. And they'll say, well, John Calvin says this and this person says this and this person says this. And this guy will just open up his Bible. and So, well, Jesus said this. And they just like go with that guy, right? Like he knows it. He doesn't mean he's a, a, whatever. He just knows his way around the Bible. Um, or maybe start. Does he know his way around the Bible? Maybe start. Does he read his Bible? Okay. Does he read his Bible? If, if not, he's not an elder, and he needs to mature and grow um, in love for God's word. Is he able to explain and give meaning to the Bible? So Nehemiah uh, and Ezra, the, the Levites, stand up. They explain. They give meaning. To the Bible, okay? It's ear, and to know this, you have to have heard them teach, right? To know if someone's able to teach, you must have heard, okay? It's irresponsible to put someone into the position of elder if you've never heard them them teach. And then last thing, is he someone you would naturally think to ask a discipleship question, okay? Not that he's going to answer it perfectly. People ask me questions like, ah. Maybe it's this, but but they carry themselves in such a way that you would think, you know what? I think they spent time in the word and could give a, a, an answer on this that would help me out um, 
in my walk, okay? Point is, elders are teachers. Elders are teachers. They must be in order for the church to be led faithfully in their calling. If they're not, we're, we're going to go off the rails, okay? Second, elders are shepherds. They love and tend and care for their sheep. And this is like the premier image of, of what it means to be a leader of God's people in any capacity all throughout the scriptures, okay? Like I could put 500 scriptures up here talking about shepherding as, as the image. So Psalm 78, just awesome. Um, the Lord chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. Huh. 72, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. He led them. First Peter um, 5, my second favorite. Uh, no, First Peter is my favorite. Um, elder passage. So I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God. That's among you, okay? So notice one of these plural elders, I didn't say that, but elders ideally are, are plural. And notice they're, they're among the flock. Shepherd the flock, not o- over there, the, the one that's among you, okay? Shepherds then should smell like sheep, right? Okay? They come home at the end of the day with, with wool on them because they've been around sheep. Acts 20, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. We could just spend all day there. So when considering elders, we want to ask basic questions. One, is he currently shepherding? Okay. And just with all of these guys, we don't want to, we don't want to see someone who's not currently doing it and say, well, let's make them this and then they'll do it. It's not what we want to do. We want to say, who's already doing this and then just acknowledge it, right? Like this is how... This is how it works. Um, is he is he currently shepherding? Two, is he purposefully around sheep? Okay, meaning does he inconvenience himself, lose some sleep, lose some relaxation, lose some time to be around sheep? Okay, so like, are, are they in a house group? If there's a church meal, do they stay? If there's a church event, do they attend? Are, are they early to church to, to see people, hug people, do the bit? Or are they um, you know, in late and, and out early? I know that's how life is sometimes. Do they come to church at all? Like that would be... Well, okay, if someone's sick, do, do they reach out? Would you consider them to be, First Timothy uh, 1, hospitable to, to sheep and, and, and not sheep? Are they open to, to giving themselves to people? Uh, are they discipling anyone? Okay. Do they give time and energy to helping other people along the path? And then kind of most important is, would they die for you? Okay. I know, like, I know that's intense, but like, that's the main question we're asking elders. Like, hey, your life or the sheep's life, who are you choosing? The elder says, mine. First John, I mean, John, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep he was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees. Why? Because he's not a shepherd. He's just a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. So, you know, just whatever example of lawlessness and persecution increase, you need to ask, is that guy ready to give his life for me? Okay? Like, is, is that the heart that I see in this man? This is what shepherds do. This is what elders do. Third elders lead. First Peter 5, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, witness of the sufferings of Christ, and well as a partaker in the glory that's to be revealed. Maranatha, hallelujah. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Okay? Leadership. So, so the mission, worship, discipleship, and evangelism, 
It requires leadership. Like that's just how God has set up the universe to work. This is how everything works. Everything to get anything done requires leadership. And leadership, if you've done it, it's work. Okay? Like, even like really gifted leaders, it's still work. It's still hard, but it's work they want to do. They're excited about doing it. So First Timothy 3, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. So elders see the flock. They see where they need to go and they aspire and desire to help them get there. Like they, they want to do that. And again, some people are born with this and I hate them. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> some people are, are, are born with this. Some people learn this and some are just given it miraculously by the spirit. Okay, like like they they couldn't lead, you know, anyone anywhere. And then they can. And I hate that person, too. Okay, because <laughs> it's just. Did it, okay? Point is that that leadership inclination, it's, it's, it's just got to be there. If a man cannot exercise oversight, if he cannot lead, he's probably not an elder, okay? Not mean he's a bad person. or Like, that's not what we're saying at all. We're just saying elders can't be Saul's. So if you know the Saul's story, he, he's, he meets with Samuel. He's anointed. It's the time for him to be announced as king. What's Saul doing? It's a weird story. I don't know why he's, he's, he's hiding in the luggage. They're calling his name and he's like, with the suitcases? I don't know. I need to do a word study on what luggage is there. But the point is, he's been appointed for this to, to lead the people in righteousness and in godliness. He's been given the spirit. He's prophesying. He's doing all this stuff. But when it's time to lead and step out and take the people where they need to go, he's hiding. Okay? So elders can't be Saul's in lots of ways. But in that way, they need to be like David in this way, not some other ways. Okay? They need to lead with integrity and skill. Psalm 78, we already read. David shepherded them with integrity of heart. And with skillful hands, he led them. Okay? Like he could actually do it because of of skill the Lord had given him. Okay? And you guys know this. I don't need to tell you this, but they're not going to do this perfectly. Okay? Like, so this this Sunday, uh, uh, officially, is my the start of my eighth year. Okay? So you know. Yeah. So you know we don't do this perfectly. Okay? Like, over the last eight years, how many dumb things have I been like, we should do this? A lot. Okay? Like, a lot. <laughs> More, if you don't remember them, I remember them. Okay, they're there. Um, some of them are written down like, what an idiot. Okay, um, so you, you know that, that we don't do this perfectly, but in, in weakness, we aim to do the hard work of leadership with skill. Like that, that's the aim of the heart. First Timothy 5, the elders who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching and assumedly leading Based at the start of the sentence, okay? So to lead with skill, to elder, to pastor, it, it's hard, but they love it. They like doing it. Like We want to get them there. So what to look for um, when considering elders ask basic questions regarding leadership. Is he currently leading anything? Like, like with all of these, are they currently doing it? Has he led anything before? Big one, can I follow this guy? So I have a little bit of time here. When I, so I got, y'all voted on me. The next morning, I'm in the office, and, and an older member in the church comes to me and says, Hey, I'm going to go to another church now, which is what you want to hear at 22. And you're like, Oh, thanks. I'm fine. Um, so I'm going to go to another church now because I, I don't want to be, I, I can't be led by a little kid. 
And I appreciate it. Like, it was just really honest and not mean or, or whatever. And I was like, Derek was 23 and whatever. Um, and it, it was good. And, and, and uh, he, he went to um, be with uh, Dr. Walter and Dr. Cope, which is when people ask me about a church, that's where I point them to. I'm like, you've been in Church of Christ? That's where I would go. Um, and uh, But this is a good question. Rather than, like, you know... Just going to kind of be in like silent rebellion against someone. Ask, like, can I be led by this person? If not, right, probably not an elder. Um, can he lead a room? Okay. Doesn't mean this room. Okay. D- doesn't mean you need to be um, like like Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar. Does anyone under 30 know who Zig, Zig Ziglar is? <laughs> okay. Yo, over 30. Yeah, you know. Okay. Um, but But... Elders need to be able to walk into a room and get stuff done as it concerns the mission, whether that's Sunday worship, Sunday school, a house group, or, or otherwise, right? They just need to be able to, to get stuff done. You should be able to put an elder into a house group and that house group just function well. Not because they're awesome, just they can get stuff done, okay? And then last one and most important, absolutely most important, elders live lives that are worth imitating, okay? And as with all of these all disciples, right? We all want to be able to, to teach and shepherd and um, lead and and live lives worthy of imitation. But elders have just done it a little bit longer. Like that's that's the point. So First Timothy three uh, two through seven, an overseer therefore must be above reproach. Okay, he lives his life in such a way that if someone gave you a bad report about him, you would laugh. You wouldn't believe it. Okay. You know, homecoming Friday night, Joe Kreger was drunk out of his mind at the hub. <laughs> bowling it up, you know. You know what I mean? Like, Joe's lived a life worthy of imitation. You would laugh at that, okay? He's above reproach. He's the husband of one wife. It means his body belongs to his wife, not pixels on screens or prostitutes in hotels. He's self-controlled. Okay, he, he has mastered his desires, not the other way around. He's not given to gluttony. He can say no to the last piece of pie. And if he's a really good elder, say no to it and give it to someone else. Help us, Lord. Okay, he can say no if his Netflix asks, are you still watching? Okay. <laughs> Self-control. No, I'm not. Okay, verse four. He must manage his own household Competently have his children under control with all dignity. If someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? I love a practical Paul is. His example in the home is what trains children. Okay, so generally, and again, not always. Like, I don't understand why, but sometimes you can have a very godly home, and and ungodly children come out, or very ungodly home, and godly children come out. Like, I don't know why, but generally. If children are hellions, they learned it somewhere, okay? Either at home or public school, right? Right? So, so the example in the home is training the children. So this is the main thing that we're looking for when considering elders. Do they set an example of following Jesus? Are their lives worthy of um, imitation? The, the way we talk about it um, at our, our elders' meetings, if someone asks you, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus... You could just point at them and say, like that. Like that guy. That, that's what it means. That's what it looks like. Okay, so, so this, I mean, all of it, but this is not optional for the church. We must have elders who lead in teaching and shepherding and leading and imitating Christ in all that they live. So when considering elders, ask basic questions regarding imitation. What is their example in the home? 
Do they love, honor, serve their wives and children? Do they manage their money well? Do they repent quickly? Like this. My parents doing Sunday school, children's church. They're not in here. Okay, so <laughs> um, uh, my 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 parents uh, did everything they could to to be godly and raise godly um, kids. But the the most marked thing that I learned was imprinted on me um, growing up is how to repent quickly. Because I don't know if you guys know this, spouses, even Christian spouses, fight. Okay, and my parents fought a lot. <laughs> I mean. Trying to raise five, doing shift work, like you'd be a little afraid too. But what I learned is not how to fight, okay? I learned how to not fight. I learned how to repent, okay? My parents have modeled for me quick repentance over and over and over and over and over and like from this big uh, to now because they still fight. Um, quick repentance, like something goes on and they are quick to say, Hey, I was selfish. I did you wrong in this way. I repent and, and, and turn from it. And then important for all of you, but couples, especially then be done with it. Okay. Bury it, put it away, move on. Don't keep bringing up, up the stuff. Okay. I'm just saying, I I've seen that over and over and over. The example in the home is quick repentance. Hey, I said a dumb thing 30 seconds ago. I'm sorry. Okay, and sometimes it takes longer than 30 seconds, but you get the point. Quick to repent in the home. What's their example at home? What's their example in worship? Again, are they here? Seems like a no-brainer, but historically, guys, we've elected people as elders and deacons who were not at church willfully and purposefully. Not because they were traveling or work. It's just like, I'm not coming to church, but I'll be at the board meeting. Gross. No, we're not doing that. We're, we're, we're not... We're not doing that. I would way prefer being at church and home group and missing the board meeting if you got to choose. Okay? Um, so are, are they here? Um, do they pay attention to the word preached? Okay? Like Josh is droning on and on and on and on and on and they're trying. You know what I mean? They haven't succumbed to the... And part of being able to teach should be I can keep you awake, but we're... <laughs> Okay, do they pay attention to the word preached? Do they sing? Okay, if we want to model singing in our little children, our older men should sing. Absolutely. Do they engage in prayer or is it check fantasy football time? Okay. So what's their example at home, worship, and public? Um, does he have, First uh, Timothy 3, 7, a good reputation among outsiders? Okay. Or is he blowing his top in public all the time? Okay. Like, guys, one of the most intense uh, pickup basketball games of my life was over on 9th Street, and uh, I missed a layup, which is rare. Um, I missed it, and we were down a couple, and, and, and then they, the other team scored, and we lost on a Sunday afternoon pickup basketball game at, what's the name of that, Family Park, Friendship Park, whatever, Family uh and a, 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 a man who was an elder uh, ripped me good. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, that's a problem. Even from a little age, I was like, you can't do that. I'm all for being ripped, okay? Stoney, you got to rip people. You got to do it. Uh, but not an elementary school kid at a pickup basketball game Sunday after church. I'll make the next one. 
Yeah, they, they, they don't blow their top, okay? Is it, 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 public life, is he insufferable online? Big one. Does he work hard at his job? You know what I mean? Like, is this, is this person a good employee? That's how you get a good reputation with outsiders. You show up to work. You work really hard. No matter how menial the task is or how big the task is, you're working not unto man but unto the Lord. This is how you get... A reputation, okay? Like, so what's his what's his example like at home, in worship, and in public? And then Paul, like, this is. I don't want to say it this way, but this is what Paul says: the example of elders matters for for the salvation of others. Okay, so First Timothy four set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Fifteen, practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Verse 16, pay close attention to your life and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That's like, it's big and that's heavy. So, is there a need for elder ministry today? Well, do churches need taught? Yeah. Do, Do churches need... Um, cared for do churches need led does the church need examples absolutely absolutely just like we need apostles just like we need prophets just like we need evangelists we need shepherds and teachers therefore we pray lord raise up more timothys more richard baxters more mark devers and more joe craigers raise them up god give them all right he ascended on high and then he gives gifts to men So Jesus, in his wisdom, has ordained that the mission of the church would require these things. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. They are gifts to us, and therefore we need to desire and cultivate these things in our midst. Uh, Last scripture, and I'll invite um, Robert up to help us, please. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12 kind of sums up all these gifts of the Spirit and how they operate. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, we encouraged you, and we charged you to do what? To walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We all want to do that for each other, right? Member to member, person to person, and we want people who exemplify this and lead us in it, okay? So this is what we're going to um, pray for now. And I went long, but you don't have to hear me next week. So it's okay. So Father, we, um, we come and we just confess weakness. Um, we, we say with Paul, um, who is sufficient for these things? Answer, no one but by the Spirit of God, but by the grace of God. Um, so first, God, I just ask for our, our general membership, God, that we would walk in these things. Um, God, that in each member, there would be an apostolic heart, God, to start new works uh, and strengthen old ones. God, we ask you, we earnestly desire the gift of prophecy, God, for the strengthening and the encouragement and the comfort um, of the body. God, to bring us to maturity, to keep us on the path, to point us to the day of the Lord. So would you, God, give us this gift in our midst, God? Would you give um, the gift of prophecy to, to different members, God, for those without the gift? When you, when you uh, urge us and prompt us, um, would we be faithful to obey it and step out in faith? 
God, we ask you for each member that, that we would have an evangelist heart. God, that we would pray um, with Paul and, 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 and wrestle with Paul. How will they hear without a preacher? How can they believe in him whom they have not heard? Would you give each member that, God? God, would you give each member a heart to teach and shepherd? Romans 15, I know that you are able to instruct one another and are filled with all goodness. God, I ask there would be teaching among each member. I ask that there would be shepherding among each member. I ask that there would be leadership, God, in each member. And I ask that we would live lives worthy of imitation. God. God, we know you have set it up, set us up to operate, though, with people who lead out in these things. And so I ask, God, that you would raise up apostolic people, prophetic people, evangelistic people, and elders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry until we all attain to the unity of our faith and and reach this measure of standard that's found in Jesus. God, I ask you for tonight as we gather and pray and seek your face that the Spirit would visit us in power. God, that there would be impartation tonight of, of, of gifts. God, that there would be encouragement tonight, um, that our hearts, God, if they're dry, uh, um, God, you light them on fire. Good candidates for fire is dry wood. So we ask you, God, visit us tonight. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Amen. Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. I did not this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus... You don't know about his cross for the forgiveness of your sins so you can inherit eternal life and live forever and only know life and joy and peace and no more sadness, crying, pain or death. Very good things. If you don't know about that and you're sitting next to a member of our church, talk to them. They can tell you what it means to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus or or talk to me or any of our other elders. up here. So let's pray. We can pray in regards to this stuff or anything else. Our elders will be up here uh, and we'll 